Uh, so, so yeah, um, glad to have my voice back. Uh, glad to have Warren uh, cover last week, and, and I thought he did a, an excellent job. Um, but he did kind of get the, like, cream of the crop passage. I mean, come on, right? Like, we've, we've preached all the way through John, and then he gets the resurrection. I mean, it's like, what is up with this? Um, so I am today going to go back just because I like how what comes next ties in with just the end of what Warren covered last week. So I'm going to go back and pick up a few verses that he did cover last week, um, just so we can tie all of it in together today as we look at, um, the implications of a resurrected Jesus. I mean, think about this. Jesus rose from the dead. Like, this is a big deal. This is like the biggest thing that's happened in human history. And the fact that he rose from the dead changes everything. And that's what we're going to be looking at today, is as he appears to his disciples after rising from the dead, um, and then he comes and he meets with, with Thomas and, uh, and the things that he says to them. I want us to take those things and see how does that speak to us, and how does that challenge us, and what does that mean for us today? So we're in John chapter 20. I'm going to start in verse 19. And it starts with this. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. Be with you. So twice, first things he says is what? Peace be with you. Warren did a great job last week of pulling out just the, the turmoil that the disciples must have felt at this point. And now they're, they're hiding away up here in this room and, and everything. But Jesus shows up. The resurrected Jesus shows up. And the first thing he says to them, peace be with you. You see, the resurrected Jesus brings peace. That's what he does. He brings peace to us. He brings peace in the midst of turmoil. He brings peace in the midst of craziness. Like, you know, it's, um, you know those little memes like what you wish versus how it's really going kind of thing? Well, the how, you're re- how it's really going at my house over the past month, in the month of June, my household went through one entire pack, Costco package of tissue. A Costco package of tissue in a month. There has been some noses being blown in my house. And so let me tell you, just because you know the resurrected Jesus, it doesn't make everything easy. But in the middle of the hard things, in the middle of the difficult things, the resurrected Jesus comes and he says, peace be with you. And so even though it might be hard, even though you might be sick, even though difficult things might be happening, he meets you in that place and he says, peace be with you. He's there for us. He brings peace to us. 
Just as the disciples in this moment are still kind of going through a crazy, I don't know what's going on moment, Jesus shows up right where they are, meets them where they are, and says, peace be with you. And I just want to encourage you today that whatever is going on in your life, whatever you're facing, whatever struggles you're up against, the resurrected Jesus is there, and he is there to bring peace. And he can bring peace to you in the midst of whatever you find yourself in. And then Jesus goes on and he tells them this, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. You see, the next thing we see about the resurrected Jesus is that the resurrected Jesus sends those he saves. He sends those he saves. We don't, we don't come to him just to, to get his peace and be like, well, that's nice. Now I'm going to do, go do whatever I want until things get tough again, Jesus, and then I'll be back for a little bit more of your peace. But until then, you hang out over there. I'm going to do my thing. You do your thing. No. Like that's how I see a lot of North American Christianity can easily fall into that. Where we're like, you know, I've got my life. I'm doing my thing. I'm being productive. I've got my, my stuff going for me. Oh, whoops, something didn't go right. Okay, I need a Band-Aid to fix that. Um, so maybe I'm going to slap a little Jesus on it. Um, and, and he can be the, the kind of the Band-Aid uh, to bring peace in this little part of my life that's gotten out of, out of line. Um, but as long as he handles that, then I'm going to keep going with everything else. And that's not what the resurrected Jesus comes with. The resurrected Jesus comes and he says, hey, you're mine. Peace be with you. Now I'm sending you out with that peace. I'm sending you out to share that peace with others. To share that truth with others. And I want to ask you. How does your life and the way that you use your time your energy, your money look different because you know Jesus than if you did not know Jesus. How does your life look different because you know Jesus and you know his peace than if you didn't? And I don't say that to bring conviction. I don't say that to weigh, weigh you down. I'm just saying that to say hey, this is a good question for us to kind of check ourselves with. Check our priorities. Because Jesus says right here, right after peace be with you, just as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. This is his mission for his people, is to be sent out with his truth. And I look across this room and I see a group of people who do an excellent job of being sent on mission. Uh, we gave... Yvonne some credit earlier, but I want to give her even more credit. Like, she worked. I know. Yeah, see, and that's exactly a Christ-like attitude. She's always wanting to pass the blame um, or the credit uh, as it is. Um, but no, Yvonne worked tirelessly this week um, over the past couple of weeks on the parade float. And yes, others helped a lot. Thank you guys for helping. But by the time I got out there to, to the parade on, uh, on Saturday, uh, Yvonne 
poor thing, her body was the point. She's like, I can hardly walk, Wayne. Um, and I was like, are you safe to drive in a straight line down the parade? Like, I don't know. Like, she has worn herself slap out. And then the next morning, well, guess what? She was on to be the cleaner for this week for the church. And so she was back up here cleaning the church. And I said, Yvonne, how are you doing? She's like, well, I had trouble putting my socks on this morning, but I made it. <laughs> and she's just working her body as far as it can go. Why? Because she knows a resurrected Jesus. And she wants other people to know him as well. And so that's why we do parade floats. That's why we want this building, whatever it is, to be as best it can be for when we have people come in so that they can can hear the gospel here and so so yes as Jesus sends us sometimes that means specifically taking the gospel and speaking it into someone else's life sometimes it means being that behind the scenes person that says here I'll do the groundwork I'll lay the foundation I'll, I'll do the stuff that's needed so that we can get the, the gospel out there so that we can be the ones who send so that we can take the peace of Jesus to our community, to our world. And I, I say that not to embarrass you, Yvonne, but to say thank you. Because you have done a great service to our church and our Lord over this weekend. And I pray that you get some good rest this week. And then Jesus goes on. Well, the passage goes on, it says this. And when he had said this... He breathed on them, and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. I'll be honest with you. This verse can be very confusing. Because when I was reading it, when I heard Warren read it when he was preaching, I was like, huh. Huh. Can anybody think of why this might be confusing? When is this? This is Easter Sunday. This is right when Jesus has been raised from the dead. His first time he appears to the disciples. And he said to them, he breathed on them, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And those of you who are more theological scholarly, you know, well, well the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. And that was a couple weeks later. Um, and so how does this mesh? How does John 20, 22 mesh with Acts chapter 2? How do these things line up? How does it match that Jesus, apparently on Easter Sunday, breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit? And then in other places in Scripture, he tells them to wait in Jerusalem until Pentecost where they'll receive the Holy Spirit. And then we have the whole thing at Pentecost where, yeah, the flaming tongues on their head, they speak in languages they don't understand and everybody can understand them and all this stuff. And 2,000 people come to Christ that day and it's just awesome, uh, the church's birth. So how do these things go together? Are these things in contradiction? And so part of the reason I wanted to, to go back and cover this little bit was I wanted to study this myself because I don't know. Um, and so I, I dug into it some this week. And I will be honest with you, I still don't fully know. Um, but I have four options for you um, that you can decide for yourself what you think on how do you put together Jesus, John recording that Jesus breathed on them, said receive the Holy Spirit here in John chapter 20. 
And then in Acts 2, uh, what we know of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit coming. Option number one. Jesus is saying this and blowing on them, and it's merely symbolic. Okay, so he's just doing a symbolic gesture here in John 20 that's kind of foreshadowing what's going to happen at Pentecost. Um, and he's saying, hey, yeah, you're going to need this. This is what's going to happen. And he's kind of, he's pointing forward to that. Okay, so that's option one. Okay, option number two um, is what they get here in John 20 is just a partial anointing. Okay, so they don't get all of the Holy Spirit um, in John 20. They just get part. And so they get the part relating to maybe salvation, new life, that part. Um, but they don't get the full power of the Holy Spirit until a few weeks later at Pentecost with the gifts and all of that kind of stuff. So that's option number two. Option number three, they have a temporary anointing in John 20, um, just like, uh, so Jesus gives them the Holy Spirit in the same sense uh, that uh, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people. Um, where it was temporary, it wasn't permanent. And so from Pentecost on, we know it's permanent. Uh, once the Holy Spirit's in you, it's in you for good. He's there, you're his, you're tight, right? Um, but maybe uh, what's happening in John 20 is like what happened with King Saul. So the Holy Spirit was on Saul uh, until he wasn't, and he left him, right? It was a temporary anointing of the Holy Spirit on King Saul, and then uh, the Holy Spirit left him. So maybe this is just a temporary anointing that Jesus gives them of the Holy Spirit to kind of tide them over for a couple weeks um, until uh, they get the full thing at Pentecost. Uh, or option number four is that here in John 20 on e Easter Sunday, what actually happened was uh, a full anointing of the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit in full at this point as Jesus breathes on them. But then at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is just coming in power on them. Uh, and basically the Holy Spirit's empowering and activating from within where he already is, right? Um, and so that's, that's option four. So there's four options for you. What's the right one? I'm not going to tell you. You've got to figure that on your own. Um, but needless to say, I don't think this is a, a contradiction in Scripture. Um, but it does appear from just what John wrote that John seems to be saying that it, this is when I got the Holy Spirit. This is when the Holy Spirit came into my life is what it seems to be saying from John. It, and John never alludes to them waiting for Pentecost um, in that sense either. So from, from John's perspective, it seems like this is him, him saying that they, he, he received the Holy Spirit at this point. Don't know. But what we do know, regardless of your view on any of that, and how many of you just fell asleep with me going through that, I don't know. But we know this. The resurrected Jesus gives the Holy Spirit. The resurrected Jesus gives the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> He's told us early in John that it's better for us that we have the Holy Spirit than even that we have him here with us. And so he, being raised from the dead, is able to send us the Holy Spirit. In verse 23, as we move on, is a verse that honestly has been taken and kind of distorted over time through church history. Um, this, this is one of the verses 
that like the Catholic Church has taken to say that like, hey, uh, we the church have the power and authority uh, to forgive sins or not forgive sins. Um, and so uh, this is where they were able to, to do things like uh, when they had a building campaign, tell people like, hey, we're not going to let you and your loved ones into heaven unless you give us money. Um, like they don't do that much anymore, but they did a lot in history. Um, they they kind of figured out that wasn't a good uh, marketing strategy. Um, but anyway, uh, and so so yeah, this is this is where that kind of distorted teaching comes from. So what did what did Jesus actually say? He's talking to his disciples. He says, "If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold for forgiveness from any, it is withheld." So this sounds like Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, you're the one that has the authority to forgive sins, right? Just on face value reading of this, this seems, seems what he's saying, right? Whereas other scriptures tell us that, that Christ alone has the authority and power to forgive sins. So is he passing that off to us? I mean, there are scriptures that talk about in the end, the, the saints will judge the world. Um, so there is that as well. But I think really, when you put all of Scripture together and what, what Jesus is saying in this verse, I think what he's getting at is this. What did he just tell him to do? He said, I'm sending you out. And if you forgive the sins of any that are forgiven them, how are sins forgiven? They're forgiven through the gospel, through believing in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Through, through coming to him in faith, by hearing the word of God and believing in it. That's how sins are forgiven. And so I think part, an, one interpretation of this verse that is definitely valid is this. If we take the gospel to someone and they believe in it, their sins are forgiven. If we withhold taking the gospel to someone so therefore they do not believe in it, salvation is withheld. So I don't think it's, it's all on us to decide whether or not somebody else's sins are forgiven. Thank goodness. That's a lot of pressure. But it is on us to take the gospel to them so that they have what they need in order to be forgiven. Because the resurrected Jesus brings forgiveness. And how do I, how, how do I, why do I think that's what he's saying here? Because John, who received this charge, what did he do with it? He wrote it all down in a book for anybody, any place, any time throughout the rest of history to be able to read it so that they could hear, believe, and repent and be forgiven. He didn't write it down and say, well, we're going to give this to people who have the last name that starts with Q. Everybody else, sorry. No, he wrote it down for everybody. And at the end of, a, the, of our passage for today, I'm going to skip ahead and then come back. G John writes this, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is John's whole purpose in writing the whole book. He's saying, I wrote all of this down so that you can believe. So that you can have life in his name. 
And so nowhere do we see John or others saying, hey, I'm withholding forgiveness from you. Nowhere do we see him saying, like, hey, I'm, I'm cutting that group out. Don't like them. Don't want to spend eternity with those guys, right? Like, no, we don't see him saying that. We see him saying, hey, everybody come to Jesus. This is what you need. You need Jesus. Because the resurrected Jesus brings forgiveness. Now, we get to Thomas. All right? I'm going to speed up. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord, but he has said to them, Unless I see... um, Sorry, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my finger into the marks of the nails and place my hands into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, the disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. In your hand, place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And Thomas, we don't know a lot about Thomas, you know. Um, He's mentioned a couple other times in John, you know, he's the one that, as Lazarus, Jesus is saying, hey, we're going to go back and, and bring Lazarus back to life. And, uh, and the disciples are like, no, people there are trying to kill you. You shouldn't go there. Um, and Jesus said, no, I'm going. And Thomas's response there is, I'm going to go die with you, right? Like, let's go with him and die. So Thomas kind of has like a pessimistic theme uh, running through scripture. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. He might be just getting a bad rap. He might be just recorded at his worst moments. Um, but yeah, here he comes back and everybody's like, dude, Jesus was just here. He's like, I don't believe it until I can touch his hands myself, right? Like, I want to see the holes where the nails were. Um, so Jesus shows up. He meets Thomas in the moment of his doubt. He comes back to Thomas and he tells Thomas, peace be with you. The resurrected Jesus brings peace. But the resurrected Jesus also removes doubt. I want to tell you today, maybe you're here and you're like, hey, I'm not sure about all this Jesus stuff. You're talking about some guy coming back from the dead. I don't know about that. Seems kind of out there to me. I want to tell you, he's alive and well today. And just as he handled Thomas's doubt, he can handle your doubt. Don't be afraid to take your doubt to him and say, Jesus, this is where I'm struggling. I don't know if I understand this. I don't know if this is really real. If it is really real, will you just show me? That is 100% fine to do. And as the resurrected Jesus, he can handle your doubt. There's also a major, major theological concept that Thomas gives us right here that people have debated and debated and debated, right, on, on exactly Jesus' relationship to deity. Is Jesus fully God? When Thomas had his moment of belief, what does he say? He said, my Lord, my God. 
And Jesus doesn't correct him. Why? Because Jesus is our Lord and our God. That is who the resurrected Jesus is. He is Lord and God. And then John gets to his thesis statement for the whole book. Verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. This is what matters most. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that he came and lived a sinless life, that he died on a cross paying the punishment for sin, that he rose again three days later, defeating sin and death, and then he appeared to many witnesses, those who are writing this down for us? From there he's ascended into heaven where he sits at the right hand of the on, the, on his throne in the right hand of the Father, from which he's going to come back. He's going to judge the living and the dead, and he's going to call those of us who believe in him to himself, where we will spend eternity with him in heaven. And those who do not know him, those who reject him, those who do not believe, will face the wrath of God for their own sins. And they will be found guilty for all that they have done wrong. This is why this is the most important thing. It's because the resurrected Jesus gives life. He gives life. Life for eternity, but also life for right now. I want to tell you, I'm not, I'm not a, a big uh, betting man, right? Like, I, I think I've been to a casino like once in my life, played blackjack, put 20 bucks down, played about five hands because I won some, then I lost it all. And I was like, man, that was an expensive 10 minutes. I'm going to do something else with my life now. Um, but I, I'll tell you this, I will bet everything. I am betting everything on the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on a cross and he rose from the grave. He brings me peace. He sent me out. And my job is to take that truth of the gospel to others. I want to ask you, what are you betting your life on? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you did for us on the cross. We thank you that, that the cross wasn't the end of the story. Uh, we thank you that you rose from the dead. Lord, we thank you that, that you can handle our doubts. Lord, I pray for anyone in here who's in Thomas's situation where they're, they're just struggling with believing. They're struggling with, man, is this really true? Is this, is this really real? Lord, I pray that you will show them yourself in a mighty way. Lord, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit, you work mighty things in us and through us. Lord, I pray for the, the community worship service next Sunday. I pray that through that, your gospel might be spread. Pray that maybe some might come who wouldn't come to a church, but they'll come out to that. And 
and that they might hear your truth there. Lord, I thank you for all that you do for us. Be with us today, in Christ's name, amen.